This is the America's Quarterly Podcast. I'm Brian Winter. Brazil's President Luiz Inácio Lula da Silva has stirred controversy with recent remarks on the war in the Middle East and other global flashpoints. On today's podcast, we'll take a broad look at Brazil's foreign policy as the country prepares to host the G20 summit later this year. It's very complicated to maintain ambiguity because nowadays everyone wants countries to take sides. So what happened 20 years ago and made possible to Brazil to bargain in many situations, it's very different of what we have now. Since he took office in January 2023, Lula has been extremely active on the global stage, traveling frequently, giving his viewpoint, and even offering himself as a mediator on big issues like the wars in Ukraine and the Middle East, as well as closer to home, the recent territorial dispute between Venezuela and Guyana. I think it's safe to say no other Latin American leader has had such a prominent voice in global affairs. Controversy has followed Lula's comments earlier this month comparing Israel's actions in Gaza to the Holocaust and accusing Israel of genocide. Earned condemnation from Israel, as well as many in the West. Although, it should be said, some figures on the Latin American left and elsewhere in the global South supported Lula in that dispute. We thought today's podcast would be a good opportunity to assess what Lula has gained and lost from this very active foreign policy, especially as Brazil prepares to host the G20 meeting in November of this year. We'll look today at what goals Brazil has for that important meeting, what Lula has to show for all of this emphasis on foreign policy, how some of his actions and rhetoric have reverberated in Brazil's domestic politics, and more. Our guest is my friend, Fernanda Magnota. Fernanda is Senior Fellow at the Brazilian Center for International Relations and a professor and coordinator of the International Relations Program at Fundação Armando Álvares Penteado in Sao Paulo. Fernanda, welcome to the podcast. Hello, Brian. It's a pleasure to be here with you all. It's an honor, actually, and I hope we have a very nice and productive conversation today. Fernanda, as I noted, Lula has been very active in the foreign policy space, in the debate over Ukraine, the war in Gaza. He has also convened meetings in Latin America and in Africa. What does he have to show for those efforts at this point? What, in your view, is the net result? Well, Brian, yes. Definitely what Lula is trying to show is that he's coming back with this uh, foreign policy that he calls active foreign policy. It's not something new. And the idea, I think, in the beginning of the government is to reverse the isolation that was generated by the previous government. And at the same time, what is important to take into account and to understand about Lula is that he sees foreign policy as a tool, as something essential in the internal power game, as he understands that if the country has a prestige increases, it benefits the way people will behave regarding his government. 
You said that one of Lula's goals is influence. Has he achieved that, though? I mean, I look at these recent comments that he made, you know, again, the comparison of what's happening in Gaza to the Holocaust, mentioning Hitler. And again, I understand these goals that you outlined. But do you think that in practice, Lula is achieving these goals? No, I don't think so. I think it's a very delicate moment for uh, Brazilian diplomacy, actually. And sometimes the quality is more important than the quantity of things that you do in foreign policy. So I think something that we need to keep in mind is that the world of Lula 3, this new government, is not the same as that of Lula 1 or of Lula 2. It is a very different world and there is a necessity to adapt diplomacy to the characteristic of the new international context. And I think here exactly is the problem. If we think about 20 years ago when Lula first came into power, we had China just joined the WTO. We had BRICS being considered an acronym in the financial sector discussions. It was just a report. We were all discussing collisions to fight against counterterrorism and to uh, make the world safer in terms of alliances. And what we have right now, it's different. It's very different. So we have lots of tensions and serious threats of war in many, many places of the world. And we have, at the same time, a situation that requires resources of power that Brazil is not able to offer in many times. And since we are going to return to classical geopolitics, you know, it's very complicated to maintain ambiguity because nowadays everyone wants countries to take sides. So what happened 20 years ago and made possible to Brazil to bargain in many situations, it's very different of what we have now. I feel like this is what we've seen with Lula over the last year plus. I mean, I remember that originally on the Ukraine war, he wanted to position himself as a mediator. And when war broke out in Gaza late last year, there was also at the beginning this very careful diplomatic effort to, you know, toe the line, be able to talk to all sides. But in practice, Lula has made his views very clear on Ukraine. And more recently, his comments on Gaza also suggest that he has, you know, a side. Yeah, exactly. And uh, in this very complex contest in which we are talking about real war, this contradictory statements, improvisations, they get in the way. What Brazil sees as a moderate position, as uh, a way of being in the middle, for the other partners, maybe can sound differently. For the Americans, for example, using words of John Kirby. John Kirby, just for our audience, is a White House spokesperson on foreign affairs. Yeah, exactly. Brazil, at some point during the Ukrainian war, was parroting Russian and Chinese propaganda. And uh, it's just one example of many, many, many statements that were made from different authorities uh, regarding what Brazil was saying about the Ukrainian war. 
For Europeans, the same happened. I spent many days of my life during the beginning of 2024 and the end of 2023 trying to explain to European media why Brazil was not anti-Western because that was the idea they were having at that moment. So what in the past was protecting Brazil, so Brazil being ambiguous was part of the game, like a equidistance or a way of maintaining both sides as partners and take the best advantage for the national interest and it was working. Now, in this new world full of polarization, is more complicated. Fernanda, I want to return again to this question of whether Lula is achieving his objectives or not. Because to me, you know, this new world, a shift toward the global south is really one of the trends that we're seeing. And I, I, you know, his comments about Gaza have generated a lot of sympathy in that part of the world. I would point not just to reactions by the governments of Bolivia and Colombia in support of Lula, but there were also echoes throughout the Middle East and Africa, you know, of support for what Lula said. So I guess this question of whether Lula is achieving his objectives or not, you know, it depends on which part of the world you're focused on. In Europe and the United States, I think there's a clear perception that Lula has fallen short. He's not succeeded. But if your focus is elsewhere in the world, maybe the view is more favorable. What do you think? Yeah, I think in the bilateral agendas, we have achievements with many partners, including partners such as China, even the U.S. in some areas in the specific. In the global south, as you said, we had established many, many projects in common, for example, considering sectors like energy and uh, infrastructure. So if you look specifically to some countries and to some areas, of course, you'll find achievements. And I think the largest one, the most important one, is to give the message that Brazil is not a paria state. What was something that was happening during Bolsonaro's presidency? We'll be back with more right after this short break. The America Society Art Gallery is currently showing the second part of El Dorado, Myths of Gold, a group exhibition exploring the legend of El Dorado as a foundational myth of the Americas. Art at America Society is the longest-standing space in the U.S. dedicated to exhibiting and promoting art from Latin America and the Caribbean. El Dorado, Myths of Gold will be on view in New York until May 18, 2024. So what are Brazil's main goals, its concrete goals, with this upcoming G20 meeting? Foreign Minister Mauro Vieira has said in interviews that Lula's main themes would be combating poverty and hunger, the energy transition and sustainable development, and global governance reform. But, you know, those are big topics. A meeting like this, I mean, how does it translate into action? What does, this, what does any of this mean in practice? The way Brazil will behave in the G20 meetings and in the conference in the end of the year is a way to adjust the route. If Brazil, in the beginning of the Lula's government, tried to push hard for very complicated agendas in which Brazil, in general, is seen as a country that has no legitimacy, 
Latin, uh, like Ukraine, like Gaza, like other places of the world. The G20, on the other hand, puts on a spotlight in these three areas in which Brazil has a voice, has legitimacy to talk about, has power to share, and has experience. Brazil started last year some projects. I would mention two of them, very concrete, that have been seen as advances that probably will uh, be more mature in the next month. One of them is the Global Alliance Against Hunger and Poverty and also the Global Mobilization Against Climate Change. Many people that are following very closely the negotiations, they say that probably in the final communique of the G20 in November, something as the three next points, I will say, will be present. The first one, probably Brazil will try to address that forgiveness for poor countries. Secondly, probably we're having the, the, the intent of increasing financing for the transition to a green economy. And of course, a mention, a request, formal request and a, pro a proposal to increase representation in multilateral bodies such as IMF and World Bank. Yeah, those are those are pretty concrete achievements. I have to admit, I mean, I, I'm a skeptic sometimes of these, not just G20, but these multilateral meetings in general and their importance, but you're listing concrete policy objectives here. What is important to say is that Brazil is trying to push the agenda for these three subjects that we mentioned. But we need to be aware that the world is happening at the same time they are trying to organize this conference. And sometimes what makes very complicated to the Brazilian government to maintain the focus on what they want to discuss is that if something different happens around, everybody wants to talk about what's happening around. My feeling is that the world is getting really hot We have hotspots in very different areas. They are very complicated. Many of them can turn into wars very quickly, large wars. And it seems kind of, uh, you know, very utopic when uh, you try to discuss things that at this moment are not in, in the top priority of the countries. Fernanda, before we go... As we record this, Lula is preparing to travel to Guyana to participate as a special guest in a meeting of the Caribbean grouping known as CARICOM. That looks like a meeting where he's going to try to continue to diffuse this conflict between Guyana and Venezuela. How much of a priority is that right now for the Lula government? Brian, it's a high priority because it's, you know, a case that Brazil can use or in which Brazil can fail in showing how the country can be a leader, can be a mediator, can be a moderator, or is able to talk as an adult in the international negotiation tables. I would say that this visit to Guyana and the Venezuelan case in general is very emblematic. It can show what's the side of Brazil It can show if Brazil can be a leader. It can show if there is still space for a cooperation in the democratic field. 
with the Venezuelan, Venezuelan or if that is just, you know, a wishful thinking of the Brazilian side. And also, I think it'd be used as a tool in negotiations in the future when Brazil comes again, talk about global issues. So why are you talking about Gaza? Why are you talking about Ukraine? If you know at your border, you cannot deal with your friend. Fernanda, final question. What has the effect of all of Lula's foreign policy moves been on domestic politics? How has all this reverberated within Brazil among Brazilian voters? Well, Brian, it's, it, it's a divided country. You know, it's a very polarized country. And all these controversial messages that he, he has been addressing, I think they don't help. It served internally to reorganize forces. What happened is that the president used foreign policy to try to retain his base. It was a way to convince the left side of Brazil, the Brazilian society, that he was, you know, very loyal to the principles of this traditional left. But what happened at the same time is that he inflated the pro-Israel right. So what I see, not just in this case of Gaza, but in general, is a diplomacy that is more and more making people to choose sides. And these sides are being excluded. It's very difficult for Brazilians right now Common people, normal people, people from the general society, but also in the academy, among journalists, you know, the intellectual elite, everybody is under a permanent analysis of if you are against or if you are in favor, if you are pro-North or if you are pro-South, if you are pro-US and European Union or if you are pro-China and Russia. And this kind of divisions, in my point of view, is very disruptive. It's not constructive. Well, Fernando, you've given us a lot to think about. Thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. It's my pleasure, uh, Brian. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to the America's Quarterly Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a review, give us a rating, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. The America's Quarterly Podcast is produced by Luisa Franco and edited in partnership with Human Group Media.